The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells. With me today are Maureen O'Connor, New York sex columnist. Hey, Maureen. Hey. And Allison Davis of The Cut. Hey, Allison. Hey, David. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a new Time Magazine story that asks us to rethink monogamy or sort of asks us to rethink monogamy. Really, it asks us to contemplate the possibility of rethinking monogamy before recommitting to it. It seems like extremely Time magazine of them. We're also going to be talking about birth control, whether we should ditch it all and just do the pull-out method, and how people's birth control practices change when they get into relationships. And we're going to have Allison give us a um, great tour of the weird world of Myers-Briggs-based dating, which he actually endured for journalism. All right, on to our first topic. What's more outdated, monogamy or Time magazine? Harsh. (laughs) So good. Monogamy is under siege from our biology itself. Evolutionary biologist David Barash, I guess his name is, writes in the Question Everything issue of Time magazine. I don't mean to bash the story too aggressively just in the intro, but... (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to shame you. (laughs) I... It's like it was like a parody of evolutionary biology. This guy wrote it's uh, just totally empty armchair theorizing. So he writes, um, men are typically larger than women, have more muscle mass, are more inclined to violence, and become sexually and socially mature later. These traits are characteristic of an animal species in which one male competes with other males to mate with multiple females. Later in this like three paragraph essay, he writes, it can be argued that a woman would be better off as the 20th wife of a wealthy man than as the only wife of a pauper, which is just the terms wealthy man and pauper. It's like, how did that get get the editors? Um, But my favorite part of the piece is actually is subhead, which like says, no, we should not reconsider monogamy. We should keep it for our kids sake. This isn't a question everything issue. What did you guys make of the story? Aren't, like evolutionary psychologists always just cranks in my like minimal I think so. experience. It's just one hundred percent people being like men are beasts and women are like weak. And just need think money about what it's you. like, and you're just like, Ugh, I'm not an animal. Right. Like I'm not a caveman. We have free will. Do we forget this? Right. Well, also I think we don't actually have any idea of what cavemen and women were doing. So we're just like, imagine a caveman. Right. <laughs> Just well, assume what he's up I to. I bet he had all the sex he wanted. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure nobody was even really having sex, right? Well, somebody had to have sex. All right. <laughs> Allison, do you know how babies are made? Stork? Prehistoric stork? <laughs> do you guys think that monogamy is under threat or at risk? Or is this just sort of a perennial, like, hand-wringing? I feel like, for me right now, the, the what's moved from, like, when people say, like, is monogamy monogamy under threat, it's gone from, like, the question, like, boyfriends who want to cheat on their girlfriends have said, like, monogamy is not really just for me. We're human <laughs> beings. It's not natural. It's like a real, like, maybe now it's a little bit more justifiable to question your stance on monogamy. Like, it, it's got some cred. And I don't, I don't quite know why all of a sudden we're seriously questioning monogamy. I honestly think a huge portion of, like, our generation's sort of feelings are so heavily influenced by Dan Savage, who, like, <laughs> like honestly just created this sexual ethic that I think, like, people really subscribe to. Like, the amount of times when I interview people about sex and they re- repeatedly refer to all the concepts that he brings up. And his, like, monogamish thing, I think, was really salient. But it took time for, like, say, the people who grew up reading him to start actually living with that sexual ethic. And on top of that, I think part of the fear comes also, you know, like the whole Ashley Madison stuff and people sort of freaking out about, it's really not is monogamy at risk and under siege. It's, oh, now we're forced to admit that monogamy has always been under siege and dudes have always been cheating. 
how do we deal with the oh, fact not, that we can't pretend dudes. it didn't? Yeah, people, okay, dudes. all people, all people, not just dudes. <laughs> but I guess the dating apps got to be some part of it too, right? That we're now able to seamlessly like, find yeah, find bud. other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although you know what I see a lot on Tinder and like um, okay, Cupid is couples together looking for a person or like the man or woman who are like, oh, I'm in an open relationship, like super happy with my partner, but just like looking for an extra side piece or like a, a new friend to liven mm-hmm. things up. So there's like something built into now, like to just dating where it's like, I'm not monogamous, but like I I need more than my, my one partner can give me. So I, I don't know if it's just like young people dating that are kind of in this now, but it definitely feels like it's a little bit more normal. Yeah, I wonder if it's that we're sort of just forced to be really frank about relationships in a way that, like, if you're, like, filling out a form that says, what do I want? And, like, we all actually are in, like, a world where you probably at some point do literally fill out a form to say what you want in a relationship because that is the definition of starting an OkCupid profile, you know? That maybe it's just seeing people spell it out that way. The options there, like, of course I'm going to check that box that says I can get as much ass as I want. (laughs) But that ultimately means, I guess, that, like, we're basically in the same position vis-a-vis monogamy that our parents were. Do you think any of those essays on the time.com or the time uh, article, like, had some teeth or, like, were actually justified or right? I feel like all of them were kind of, like, the Miss Piggy one was kind of a joke. So I'm not sure there was one that, like, made a good case to me for why monogamy Wait, what is was the Miss Piggy one? Now that monogamy, now that even Miss Piggy is single since her and Kermit <laughs> broke up and she's out there playing the field, like she does not see any reason to settle down. Like for her, you know, one true love is kind of dead. It's a puppet, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so even Miss Piggy is questioning whether or not she can say it with just one frog. What, what led to her breakup with Kermit? I didn't even really you know, know they I, were an I item. I can't even discuss this. I like, know. I, I think I fall into the Rebecca Traster camp, as she wrote on The Cut this week, which was, let's just not talk about Muppets yeah. having sex. Let's just not. not be fucking. <laughs> I don't understand why, why kids are better off with monogamy. I don't even know if it's like they're better off with monogamy, but it's just like in order to raise a child, you need like one dependable partner to always be there to help you with stuff, right? Like, So it's easier just to have like... You and your your spouse living in the same house to split carpool duties or something. Yeah, but I like imagine. in Big Love, they've just got like four moms or whatever. Everything they're all happy. Oh, that seemed great. <laughs> yeah, that all worked out so well. <laughs> that for worked them. really well. Did yeah. Want to sleep with a sister? Like that was not a good environment. But no. polygamy is different. From... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's, yeah. Not, yeah, that's not what they're talking about. Why would like a non-monogamous partnership screw up your ability to have your parents care about you? Well, I guess uh, the I'm. You know, who knows? But I think uh, <laughs> yeah. I think probably yeah, the idea is that um, is that it's not just that your parents are going to be cheating on each other. It's that they're actually going to like split up or be they'll be strife or be single people who just got together briefly, like to have a kid. In which case, like having a stable home. Everyone I know that's been raised in like some like alternative family unit of like purposeful non tradition are actually the most well adjusted humans I've ever met. Yeah. It seems like there's something about having a family where, like, the parents really firmly outline, this is what we want, this is why we're doing it, that that can be very purposeful and mean it's going to be a family that has, like, a huge amount of communication and, like, care to about every step they take, you know? Whereas there's plenty of ways that two people can be monogamous, but they aren't actually thinking that hard about how parenting works. 
That's dark. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that dark? Yeah, I find it. I find it actually very like hopeful that you know you can build your family, however, and it can work. Right. Well, so long as you're willing to talk about it. Yeah, I guess so. It does seem like an endless conversation. Uh, so we've been talking about whether monogamy is a pathetic Victorian relic. More specifically about the Time Magazine article, monogamy is not natural, but it is nice. Now let's move on to our second topic, the pull-out method and other lesser birth control plans. So a new CDC study found that pulling out was the second most common form of birth control among teenagers, which freaked a lot of people out since pulling out has a sort of bad rap. But maybe it shouldn't. According to a 2014 study, it's not really much less safe in terms of preventing pregnancy than condoms. Um, The study showed that when it's done right, only 4% of couples using the pull-out method properly get pregnant in a year versus 2% for couples using condoms properly. But I don't know, isn't properly like the whole problem with the pull-out method that it's like a little hard to I think so. Count yes. on? Yeah. <laughs> also, like I sort of just admire the people who are able to do it properly like all the time, you know. Well, you know, I have to say I don't think it's actually that difficult to do properly as one that has relied on the pull-out method during various yeah. phases of her life. Um Considering that we get most of our sex education when we're, like, teenagers, you obviously don't want to tell a teenager to try to use the pull-out method because they're going to be the ones that, like, aren't totally used to their bodies yet or don't know what's going down. I feel like I spent so much time in my health class in high school learning about how pre-cum could get someone pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like we spent whole classes on that narrow subject. (laughs) Is that total bullshit? Oh, my God. Or the thing where, like, what was it? Dear Abby would always say, if you get, like, a little bit on the outside of you, it can, like, sneak up your vagina somehow (laughs) (laughs) and get there, which uh, I believe that that's a thing that has happened to people, perhaps, in this world. Right. But I feel like that's actually just rare. It seems the frequency is not that common, though, I have to say. I have to say, when when you watch a lot of episodes of I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant, you learn to, like, really appreciate the, (laughs) you know, the miracle of... The sperm. Got it really it. can get the anywhere. Miracle sperm, yeah. yeah. Wow, Swimmers. Okay. Have you guys not well, is watched that, this show? I haven't no, watched much not. of this show. Please. Oh, it's great. They always end up giving birth in, like, bathrooms at amusement parks. Um, yeah. Like, thinking they just had really bad cramps. Why is it always in an amusement park? Because <laughs> they're, like, like, they're, they're, they're all, like, 17 years old, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, at a mall? Like, that's where you hang out, right? I was talking about this these studies with a friend of mine who was like, I just wish that people understood how hard it is to get pregnant. Like, the idea that... You're going to accidentally, like, it It does, you know, yeah. you have to be screwing in, like, a, basically, like, a particular time of the month. and um, But there's so much anxiety about it, especially among, like, teenagers and young people. They're, like, they think anytime they have unprotected sex, like, they're inevitably impregnated. I don't mean, I'm probably sending a bad message about, like, how comfortable <laughs> people should be having. <laughs> but um, it is interesting to think about, like, yeah, people who really don't understand their own bodies and are terrified of like totally changing their life with a pregnancy right actually now that i think about it i think the pull-out method is maybe the only birth control that you're like adults only you know Anne friedman who wrote about it at the cut also pointed out that it's one of the ones that you sort of only use when you're like with a partner who you've been with for a while and you know pretty well like your routine well you need you you probably want to like get past the std hurdle it's like you want to be pretty comfortable that's the other thing yeah you're just doing like quote i'm putting air quotes birth control. But you, Maureen, you were really interested in this other study about the ways that um, birth control changes in yeah, relationships. Yeah, when you're in a relationship. Two researchers at Penn State, they did a study of women who were not planning to get pregnant in the next 12 months. You know, some of them were planning to get pregnant maybe the next year down the line or five years down the line or never, or they weren't sure. They broke them into those, each of those groups thinking that that was going to predict 
the rates of birth control use. What they actually found, though, that actually wasn't predictive of the type or use of birth control. What actually was, though, was whether or not they're in a relationship, how long they've been in the relationship and that sort of thing, which actually when I read that, I thought, well, of course that I mean, I'm basically on birth control only if I'm in a relationship, because that's when, you know, I wouldn't be using condoms. And, you know, you're willing to go on the pill for someone. (laughs) It is sort of like a big burden to take on, right, to go on the pill. Well, yeah. Well, mostly because, like, you just have to remember to take it every day, which is really difficult. (laughs) It takes discipline. And I'm like, do I care enough about you to have an alarm go off every day? But also, I mean, birth control is not that it's not expensive anymore, but like it was expensive at one point and it's a pain to take every single day. Go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. Like it messes with your own like hormones. Yeah. Which. Yeah. That always seemed to me to be like the biggest issue. Right. Do you find that your friends are using the pull-out method more than, say, like, a, now it's like, is he pull-out worthy? Yeah, <laughs> is he pill worthy? I know. I think most of my friends use pull-out method now. I like know a they, lot of people that do that. Yeah. I think when you get older, maybe it becomes more frequent. Are you saying most of your friends just in relationships or most of your friends in generally? Rela- in relationships, yeah. yeah. We don't want to get, like, I know, I know one girl that This whole segment ever... we've been, like, recommending really, like, like... Really dicey things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not advice, guys. <laughs> well, it's... We're like, don't take your birth control every month if you don't want to. (laughs) Go off and on at will. (laughs) That's what I do. Well, what I do is that I get so, it's interesting, the sort of magical thinking that people use when they're trying to deal with like some kind of fear about the outcomes of sex in that the number of times I've had a female friend be like, I think I might be pregnant. I don't know if I'm pregnant. What if I got pregnant? I don't know. I'm like, just pee on a stick already. And like somehow they just won't do it and they'll wait and wait and wait until they get their period. And they're like, phew. And all I can think is, how could you have spent those two weeks freaking out when you could really easily just go to the drugstore? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also kind of love the whole like I just trust the universe mentality. Like that's like if it's my time to get pregnant, the universe will will it to be. I hear that a lot. Like, but even in that case, when you still want to know, <laughs> no, the universe will tell you eventually. Yeah, nine, but what if nine you months. don't know until you're at the amusement park bathroom? <laughs> Thanks, universe. <laughs> So we've been talking about uh, all this new birth control studies and how the pullout method is, you know, not so bad. Um, now let's move on to our last subject, Myers-Briggs dating. Allison, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experiences matching via a dated mid-century personality test? Yes, I do. So this all came about because I went on an OkCupid date and I thought that it was like the most successful date I'd ever been on. Like this guy and I were vibing on so many different levels and he was very attractive and like we both loved Doritos and Three Six Mafia and <laughs> taking road trips. Like can you imagine that road trip? The two of us <laughs> listening Doritos, to that music. Listening to Three Six Mafia. Eating like Doritos. the dream. Wow. Just the dream. And then, you know, we start talking about, you know, relationships and past relationships and patterns. And he goes, So so you know, like I, I really believe in Myers-Briggs. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's something I heard of once in my intro to psych class at freshman year. <laughs> um, and he was like, no, like, really, like, I've taken the test. I um, I often use it to gauge whether or not, like, I, I see a future with people that I date. And I was like, oh, okay, like, we all have our things. Interesting. So then he asked me what my, my score was, and I, I didn't remember. I, like, made something. I think I just, like, made up a string of letters, like, E-N-P- T-S-D-E-S. But all those letters you just said are actual letters that they you right, could have well, ma- you could have guessed wrong and done like Q R. Listen, I did pay attention to freshman psych. Okay, <laughs> so then he gave me his, which is ISTJ, which he then tells me it's the it's very rare. It's the same profile that Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, has. And I was like, is this your bra- this is a brag point for you? Okay, and then so, he wants to take you to the cabin in the woods. <laughs> romantic like. for him, I would have guys. So anyway, I, like fast forward to. A 
couple of days later and I sent him a text that was like, you know, great time, come to a concert with me. It's like Southern rap, we'll have a blast. And he was kind of like, you know, I just didn't really think we were so compatible and like, no. And I was like, oh, because I'm slightly insane, I was like, what do you mean we're not compatible? We love the same things. Doritos, dude. (laughs) Come on, the nacho cheese ears. And he basically was like, I can guess which one you are. I've dated your type Myers-Briggs type before. It didn't really end well. You don't even want to date me. I'm such an introvert. Like, I'm not going to leave the house and hang out with you. Like, it's it's better to call it friends. I was like, okay. We are actually friends now, so it's fine. Um, wow. Did he guess your type accurately? He was one off. He thought I was ENTP, where I am an ENFP. And what does that mean? Which is actually worse. Um, so, <laughs> no, it's a good one. It's a good it's one. What so it means I am. That I am extroverted, I am intuitive, I am feeling, and I'm perceiving. So I think the feeling part was what kind of got him because I'm the, the opposite of that is thinking. So I'm kind of more driven by my emotional side than I am my rational side. And he is, you know, essentially a sociopath. I have to say, I am. So I have a couple friends that are obsessed with the Myers-Briggs. And we all universally agree that ISTJ, the Ted Kaczynski one, is like universally the most horrible boyfriend. And every time you meet an ISTJ man, you must run the other way. Because it's like the unfeeling sociopath who's really selfish and yet completely convinced of his own righteousness at all times. It's like horrible. <laughs> well, Allison, you've been peering in on this guy's relationship, and he seems like an animal, right? He seems like not a, like not a very good boyfriend, yes. But he's always like, you know, I, I, I see him, and he's like, oh, my, my chick, like, she's obsessed with me. And, like, I, and I'm like, okay, well, let's just eat this Thai food and get out of here, please. <laughs> but he's a fun friend. Like, if yeah. I had to date him, I'd be miserable, but he's a fun friend. But how is he so fun if it's, like, if it's an I? Isn't that introvert? It's How does that work? Because, to, uh, so I think introverted doesn't mean he's, like, shy or, like, doesn't, like, doesn't have a great personality, like a superficially charming personality. It kind of means that he likes to be alone more than the average person. Like, he will maybe go to dinner with somebody once a month. And other than that, it's like him, Seamless, his apartment, movies. And, and it's a spectrum, it. right? And it's a spectrum, it's a spectrum. Right. I used to think when when these two girlfriends of mine were always talking about it and I was not into it then, I was like, this is just like horoscopes for people that are like, I'm too smart to look at the stars, right? right. I'm using this like quasi-scientific, except it was like a thing invented by a mother and daughter in the 40s as like a personality test, according to your article, right, Alice? Right, so they like, the mother was very interested in um, in Young, Carl Young, and she was like, oh, this is fun. I love this personality inventory. Like, I can do something with this. And she wrote an article for The New Republic that was basically like, what like what color is your paint from this tool, personality paint box? And so it was kind of like the first person to take these like uh, somewhat obscure Jungian principles and put them into like basically a grocery store quiz and people love being told who they are and what they want because it's really hard to figure it out otherwise so if someone can tell you like you're introverted and you think too much like thank god someone else has done the work for you you know Uh Um, so it really caught on and they started using it more as like a career-based quiz so that people could understand what sort of workplace they would be best for it's just caught on with like human resources departments all over Fortune 500 companies. There's a Myers-Briggs 
test for everything, even your dog. And so like it's only it's only like natural that it would be so present in online dating when you kind of are forced to define yourself and tell people who you are and also slog through so much information about people. Like I'll date anyone. Let's be honest. <laughs> if you have a man bun or a beard or like don't like fish, I'll date you. It's fine. <laughs> but, but I should be more discerning than that. And I think that's what people who put their Myers-Briggs score or what they're looking for with their Myers-Briggs score are just trying to do is like sort through the heap of people that they would date even if they shouldn't date. So is it actually a big part of online dating? Like do people talk in these terms? Yeah. So after I got rejected by the sociopath, the sociopath I almost said his real name. That would have been so Kaczynski. embarrassing. Kaczynski. Um, I started like looking around a lot on OkCupid and it is everywhere. And so I asked the people at OkCupid to give me a little bit of numbers and they said 7% of users list their Myers-Briggs score, which is actually a fairly significant um, amount of people who do the same thing. And surprisingly, men, actually maybe not surprisingly, men do it more than women. Maybe I'm just generalizing, but I feel like I have a million words with which to describe myself. Like I'm so good at describing myself. Ah. And sometimes like I was talking to my brother and I'm I'm trying to set him up right now and I'm like, Tell me who you are, Damien. He's like, I like sports, you know. Like <laughs> he doesn't have a ton of like helpful words. So I feel like this is a nice shortcut for I like that also you didn't know either. You're like, Wait, yeah. my brother, okay. tell me who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I know you in one respect, which is not like romantically, you know, so. Um, I guess there's also something like sort of big swinging dick about being like, this is who I am. Like, I'm going to put it out there and the people who like it are going to like it and the people who aren't aren't. And that's why I'm on a dating site to begin with. Men are kind of lazier about their online dating profiles in general. And this is the laziest way to just like broadcast who you think you are. Right. In my mind, it was always like one of those things that women talk about. You know, like, are you a carrier? Are you a Samantha? Right. And like, like a are you a Virgo quiz. or are you a, you know, that it's felt like it played into this sort of thing that we're, I'm, I'm used to associating with women. Right. Isn't it weird how like horoscopes are a part of the way that we talk about romantic life? Like just sort of like reflexively that probably like the number of OkCupid okay people with horoscope on their thing is like, like 80. It's actually, you can choose which, like you can choose to list it on your vital information. Like Leo, but I don't yeah. take it seriously or... Like it's part of it. The only time I was like into horoscopes was right when I was sort of like switching jobs and I didn't have a boss for the first time in like forever. And all of a sudden there was like this free form feeling of like, what do I do with my day? Which day do I do what? Nobody's telling me. And I was like, I need some arbitrary authority to tell me don't do this today, do it tomorrow. And then all of a sudden I was like, I guess I'll just do whatever the horoscope says to right. do. Like, what, what are the planets telling me is a good idea right now? I know. When you want to like do the like let go and let something else make the decision for you. <laughs> yeah. Like let, My- like, let Myers-Briggs do it for you now. Uh-huh. Right. I don't know. But I did talk to this matchmaker who uses it a lot in her work. It's just like one of the many uh-huh. ways that she made. And she goes, I wouldn't really recommend people use it in terms of like absolutes like no I will not date you because you're an E when I'm an I but she's like you know but with breakups like if you look at your profiles like you can pretty much spell out how you're going to break up if you do like every Ah. conflict every argument will probably be colored by these personality profiles so have you gone back through old relationships and looked absolutely yeah Uh, she's not (laughs) she's not wrong but then like Uh I can do the same with like my horoscope, right? I was a Pisces who dated an Aquarius, and that was like yeah, you just can pick as... out the exactly. I, b- I bet I could do it with the BuzzFeed quiz. Like I'm a garlic aioli, and he's a barbecue sauce, and the condiment <laughs> you, and like I can find the conflicting things there. But know? what yeah. condiments are compatible? Would you say ketchup and mustard? Ketchup and mustard, peanut butter and jelly. Are those are those even condiments or sauces? I think they're foods. Uh- <laughs> 
I don't know. I just feel like those, like, most of Maybe these, they like, don't matter. binaries, like, just don't really matter. You just try it on your next date. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you guys should, uh, yeah, whip it out on your next Tinder date and um, <laughs> tweet us and write to us about how it goes. Yeah. In the meantime, that's it for Sex Lives. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Zachary Dinerstein, Henry Milofsky, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. For Maureen O'Connor and Allison Davis, I'm David Wallace-Wells. We'll talk to you next time, and thanks for listening. <laughs>